Hello, this is Benet Dior, the Coach Guardian, and welcome from wherever you are to Coach Pep Talk, the podcast for people who run their own coaching businesses. Each week, I talk to an expert who shares wisdom that helps us be better coaches and better coaching business owners. This week, I've got entertainment and new media lawyer Gordon Firemark on the line, talking to us about the GDPR regulations that are coming into effect on the 25th of May, 2018. He'll be showing us how we can get our coaching businesses ready for these new changes. So I'll see you on the other side. Coach Pep Talk is proudly brought to you by Life Coach Office. Have you been looking for a way to securely store and hold all of your client information in one place online, easily accessible by you, the coach, and your clients as well? Well, you might want to check out Life Coach Office. Not only does it securely store information, but you also have great functionality like an online classroom and a document storage facility, as well as a coaching session journal and more. The best way to know if Life Coach Office is going to be a good fit for your coaching business or not is to go on over and give it a try. You can sign up for a free seven-day trial at lifecoachoffice.com. Episode 28 of Coach Pep Talk is a timely discussion with Gordon Firemark. Gordon is an attorney whose practice is devoted to the representation of artists, writers, producers, and directors in the fields of theater, film, television, and music. He's also the producer and host of Entertainment Law Update, a podcast for artists and professionals in the entertainment industries. His practice also covers intellectual property, cyberspace, new media, and business corporate matters for clients in the entertainment industry. He's the author of the podcast, blog, and new media producer's legal service guide. He's also the founder and chief instructor at the Theater Producer Academy, the first of its kind and a comprehensive online theater producing course. On top of that, Gordon has a beautiful resonant voice, and I think you'll really thoroughly enjoy our down-to-earth and practical discussion on the GDPR regulations that are coming to effect and that will be impacting your coaching business in the 25th of May, 2018. Before we get into the interview, a little disclaimer. Although Gordon Firemark is a lawyer, he's not your lawyer, and no attorney-client relationship is established by his appearance on this podcast. This interview is provided as general information for educational purposes only, and should not be relied upon as legal advice. And without any further ado, here is our discussion. Hello, Gordon, and welcome to the show. Hi, Benet. Thanks for having me. I'm curious to hear what you have to say today. This GDPR stuff is huge, at least in my team. It's got everybody up in arms, and I'm so happy and grateful that you can be with us today to inform my audience of coaches on this issue. But I wanted to just first kick off with getting to know you a little bit more because you've got a quite an interesting right. background. And I just love to know um, how you got into being a lawyer for theater, film, and TV, and new media. Well, I was always going to be working in the entertainment industry. I, I discovered theater at the age of five. I was in kindergarten and I was in a school that was a grade school to, to high school, you know, K through 12. And uh, as a kindergartner, they took us to see the high school kids rehearsing their production of Oliver. And they sat us down in that theater and the lights went down and the stage lights came on, and the curtain went up and I was just in the zone for the whole two hours the rehearsal was going on. And I was hooked, and that got me interested in theater uh, at that young age. And 
um, stayed interested all through, you know, junior high school, high school. In high school, I was the, the tech crew stuff. I was a sound and lighting technician and uh, began working professionally in theater before I'd finished high school. And uh, off to college I go to study theater, which uh, at the school that I had chosen was really much more about the acting than about the production and the business of it, which I should have known, <laughs> but I didn't. Anyway, so I switched over into radio and TV and film. And in the course of my four years of college, studying that, um, discovered a bit of an aptitude for the policy and management and regulatory aspects of things. And had a professor who actually suggested, hey, you should think about going to law school. And when I finished laughing, I did give it some thought. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and uh, after a year uh, in the trenches in Hollywood uh, after college, um, and the writers had gone on strike, I decided that was, in fact, a good time to go to law school. So it was entertainment first, law second. And um, it's been a, a driving passion of my life, you know, all the, the whole time. So here I am being able to combine my passion with my aptitude and helping people do the things that they love to do. So I'm a huge believer in combining passion and aptitude. And I've found that in, in my line of work too. And man, it's just such a beautiful space to work from. I just want to say you, your first um, story was Oliver and I was actually Nancy and Oliver in my high school musical production. <laughs> I had a little kid come up to me at the end in tears and her mom like had to introduce this because of course Nancy dies and she's, yeah. like, she's not dead. She's really alive. So, you know, my acting must've been brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> That's wonderful. <laughs> uh, anyway, okay, so that is a really cool story. And I love that, that you know, you found your niche and your, your calling by combining your passion and your aptitude together. Beautiful. Okay. So can you tell me how your expertise is relevant to online coach entrepreneurs and how this, this, there's an overlap there with um, your expertise in this, in this field? Well, first of all, let me say that I also come to this from the perspective of a coach as well. I, I, I have, in addition to my law practice, I have developed a number of online courses and recently started doing some, uh, well, calling myself a coach in, in that a lot of my work as a lawyer has been advising clients more about life and, and strategy than about the legal. And so I decided to embrace that and uh, I consider myself a teacher and a leader and, uh, and all of that. And so, um, so that's part of it. But in the course of doing entertainment law for the last 26 or so years, um, you know, the, the entertainment industry and the online digital stuff is all converged into the same big old messy pot of stuff. Mm -hmm. And so um, I've had to learn and, and study how the law applies to these industries. And with my own interest in coaching, of course, I've been paying attention to that. And uh, you know, so I'm sort of scratched my own itch by learning this stuff and getting up to speed. And fortunately, I got a way to turn that into a part of my business. That's perfect. I mean, I'm, and I'm so happy too that you're a coach because you, you know exactly, I mean, I guess you're having to apply all of this GDPR yeah. stuff, which we're going to get to in just a minute, right. to your own business, your own coaching business. Yeah. So it's just perfect. Thank you so much. I'm so glad that you're a part of our, our online Facebook group. And that I could reach out to you. It's just awesome. Okay, so the big thing, you know, facing the, the, the community, the coaching community right now in the legal space, as far as I'm aware anyway, is this GDPR big change that's coming out the end of May. And I know that a lot of my audience are like, oh, what's this? How does it impact me? So 
I was just wondering if you could kind of set the stage for us. What is it? What does this funny acronym stand for? And why is it so important that actually coaches pay attention? Okay, so GDPR stands for General Data Protection Regulation. And what this is, is a, um, a series of regulations that have been established and enacted in the European Union. And um, uh, it's actually been a couple of years since they enacted it. And it's now uh, comes into full force and effect on May 25th, 2018. So uh, those of us who have been you know, scurrying around recently to get it all together, we've had the time, we just haven't used the time to, to, you know, to be aware of it and so on. Uh, so now it is sort of a, a hot issue. We've got about three weeks until this kicks in and, and becomes the law. So what it is, is really a series of, of regs designed to protect the privacy of um, data subjects, people who live in the EU and they have had their fair share of data breaches and hacks and things like that that have mostly gone unreported that the law hasn't really been in place to require companies that have lost data or misplaced data or those kinds of things to do any reporting so that was sort of the impetus to get this thing into place and in the course of doing so they've set up a, a fairly complex set of of uh, requirements for people who um who collect process and retain, store data about EU subjects, EU um, data subjects. So that's really the, those are the three phases, is the collection, the, the processing of data, and the storage and, and retention or disposal of the data. And, um, you know, we can boil it down into some pretty simple uh, principles. But um, first of all, the, the big question is, I don't live in the EU I don't operate a business in the EU, do I have to worry about this? And the answer to this is that if you have a website and the website uses cookies or, um, or Google Analytics or you collect email addresses or anything and your website is more than just, you know, incidentally, occasionally someone in the EU sees it, you need to be thinking about this stuff. And the fact is it's good policy to be on top of privacy and security for your data anyway. So, um, you know, over time, those that comply will, will have a little bit of a leg up on, on those that haven't bothered to do it. So anyway, and it, you know, it's about privacy and it's about um, the integrity of that data, making sure that, you know, it's secure. And uh, the more data you collect, the bigger of an issue it is for you. So. Yeah. So I guess that's the, that's something that I know where we're looking at in, in our business because um, we do hold, we hold data in our email list and in our, um, you know, we hold co our clients data and stuff like that. And, you know, I'm based in Australia. A lot of my clients are, are in the States. Um, but, you know, we do have those EU ones. And when the GDPR comes in, it's like, do you just focus on the EU people clients and their data or do you focus on across the board what is the the guideline around that or or even your viewpoint uh, about how you've handled it in your business my my thinking and my approach which is by the way still underway i haven't implemented most of the stuff yet for myself i'm, I'm a work in progress but my approach is going to be to do it across the board as a general rule just so that i don't have to think about oh those people are in the eu and the rest of us are over here it's going to be one approach to everything. If you're, if you're a giant company and you've got, you know, some business in the EU and some in other countries, it may make sense to segregate it and separate out how you do, you know, to, to capture when anybody lands on a web page, 
where they're coming from. I don't want to bother with that technology. I think that's, you know, I don't have a staff of tech people to make that work. So I'm going to implement um, G, uh, GDPR compliant policies across my websites, across my, my, uh, mm-hmm. my other stuff. Law practices have some special issues that we won't get into too much tonight, but we keep a lot of information about our clients that is very sensitive data. And, um, you know, how we disclose to the clients what we're doing with that and so on is an issue. And that's really what GDPR um, we need to be thinking about for folks that are coaches because that also may be sensitive data. It's more than just a name and an email address, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, no, and that's, that's interesting. We've gone, we've decided to go for a cross the board strategy too um, so that we don't single out certain types of clients and we just make sure that the whole policy is compliant. Because I, I imagine too, as we go forward, other countries and regions are going to jump on and ca- start having their own sets. So if we just kind of keep up with them, it could be a good, <laughs> a, a good policy. Yeah, I mean, I think it's only a matter of time before the US at least and, and many other countries start to implement similar policies or to adopt, um, you know, GDPR clone kinds of policies. I think GDPR has its flaws in a few places. It's, it's a little short-sighted. We'll talk about why I think that later on, but it's a little short-sighted in some ways about how business actually operates in the modern era. Um, the folks that implemented it are, are uh, European politicians, not tech. <laughs> Sometimes <laughs> so. that's a good thing. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, before we go into some of the details of GDPR and what, what coaching business owners need to specifically look at uh, to, to make sure they're GDPR compliant in their coaching yep. business, I want to just get back to that why. Why is this so important? What's going to happen if you don't do this? The, ca- the consequence of not complying if there's a complaint or if the regulatory authorities somehow can catch on to the fact that you're not complying, they can impose fines. And the, the structure of the fine is uh, 4% of the offender's worldwide revenue over the f- past 12 months or 20 million euros, <laughs> whichever is the larger number, I believe. So, you know, for a company like Facebook, that could be in the billions and billions of dollars. For, you know, small operations like you and me, I I don't think it's that, I mean, it's not likely to be a lot of money, but nobody likes paying out money in fines if they can avoid it. And this is something where if you do things right, you can avoid it. So there we are. That's why we do these things. Um, The other thing I want to make sure is, is that people understand is this is not something that should induce panic. It should induce a, you know, an appropriate level of concern and we should be taking it seriously and doing what we can to comply as soon as possible, hopefully by the deadline. But, you know, uh, the, the world is not going to come crashing down on the 26th of May if you don't have your policies in, in place. Um, and the regulators aren't going to be coming knocking on your door. <laughs> so uh, one of the other questions that I get a lot is how can the European government enforce their rules against me, I live here in the US. And the answer is the US and the EU are pretty friendly and they have treaties and they have international law that does these things. And so don't be, don't think you're going to get away with it if they let, you know, come on, if they realize that there's a problem. But also let's remember, it's only if they realize there's a problem and um, everything is meant to be proportional to the size of the business and the scope of the offense. So let's not get panicked. Okay. I like that. Thank you too for pointing that out. So I think that is really important. You know, do your best, get, do your little checklist and yeah. um, 
that's it's a good place to start. Okay, so let's let's start looking at that. What do what does a, sort of a normal small coaching business owner need to think about and do to be prepared for this May twenty fifth deadline? Well, step one is to think about and and actually do an inventory or sort of an audit of the kinds of data that you have about um, or you know, people in the EU as the the bare minimum, but think about this. So, you, you know, we all have an address book that has names, addresses, phone numbers, maybe birthdays, those kinds of things. That's data under the GDPR rules, right? Um, if you, if your website collects um, uh, information about the, the browser and the IP address that the, it's coming from, and most websites do collect this stuff. If your website drops cookies, you have to know that you have disclosure requirements about that as well. Um, and if you collect information in the marketing context, you know, like using a mailing service to send out uh, lead magnets and, and uh, then have a newsletter, those kinds of things, you're collecting data. And so if any of the people who provide that data to you are from the EU, this is where we have to comply. So um, I think I answered the question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sorry. So, okay. Yeah. So the first step really is, is to be really clear on, do that inventory, be really yeah. clear about what kind of data do you have? And yeah. then once you do that, that audit and that, it sounds like that includes any place where you're storing your client's information on your own computer. Was it even in your, like your paper files? Like how far yeah. do you go? In your paper files, and they're the part of the GDPR talks about the security and integrity of the data. So you need to keep things especially the sensitive stuff under lock and key and only people who have a need to see it and, and work with it to process it um, should have access to it. So that's the kind of thing. Um, the, the GDPR sets up two categories of data handlers. One is the controller. That's you and me, the business owner that has a need for the data and, and to do something with it. And there are data processors. Data processors are the, the, firms and the entities, and you may be both, you may be a controller and a processor, but the firms and entities that, um, um, that do certain things with our data, for example, if you use a shopping cart service, if you use an email service like AWeber or ConvertKit or MadMimi or... Uh, Active Campaign, Active yeah, all campaign, of those. All yeah. the, yeah. Infusionsoft. Uh, all of those. So those, yeah, those companies are processors and they are subject to these rules too. And you want to make sure that the ones you use are, are following the rules and uh, about how the data is collected, uh, stored, and eventually removed. So, um, so you identify what you have, make sure you know, you know what you're doing with it, that you have a legal basis to do what you do with it. The legal bases can be, there are many of them, but the basic legal grounds are you know, you've got a contract. So you've sold somebody a product and you need to deliver the product to them or you need to provide uh, continuing service to someone. Then you need to have their information so you can reach them and give them the thing that they have paid you for or promised to pay you for. Uh, or if you have some other legal obligation, like I do as a lawyer, I have obligation to keep certain data for a certain amount of time, similar with medical practices. And so I don't know what coaches necessarily have a formal legal obligation, but um, might be something to think about. Are there vital interests at stake or some public task or, or some, there's the, the big catch all is legitimate interest. You know, if, if someone has contacted you for a particular kind of information, then you've got a legitimate interest in keeping their data so you can provide that information to them uh, over the course of time. And then the final, the big one is consent. And we can spend a lot of time talking about what's required with consent. So um, is that the third step? So it's inventory, 
what do I do with it? Um, is it, and how am I legally using it? And then consent is the third step. Well, getting consent from anybody new, but also refreshing the consent from folks that you've already got in the system, unless the way you collected the data originally is compliant with GDPR, you're supposed to, before May 25th, this is the big, the big urgent one. The, you're supposed to refresh that consent, get them to acknowledge the kind of data that, that you, what you do is you tell them, we have this kind of data, we collect this, you gave it to us, and uh, here's why we use it, here's what we use it for, and uh, you know, check this box to say, yes, you want to stay on this list, basically, mm. uh, or keep in touch. And so, again, for the coaches, if you're reaching out to your clients, you'd say, you know, I use this data to keep in touch with you and to provide these things and so on, you know, please acknowledge and, and say, yes, you want, want to continue. Otherwise, I have to remove you from my list. And that's really what it comes down to. And um, is that, I mean, when you're talking about just, just say your client list, let's say, you know, you have just a very personal one-on-one -on -one relationship with your coaching yeah. client. Do you have to email all of your personal clients and get them to email you back? Or check a box. You could direct them to an e to a website and say, I'm going to be purging anybody who doesn't check the box mm -hmm. by this date. Um, and so please visit this website and, and uh, click the box. I think so that's the probably- world, the world's going to be inundated with um, re- uh... <laughs> Well, have you checked your email lately? Have you noticed how many privacy policy updates people are getting? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's all true. part of this. Everybody is scurrying to comply with GDPR, and that's what these privacy policy updates are. That's the next thing to think about is, is get into your privacy policy and make sure that it is compliant with GDPR. The privacy policy has to include all that same kind of information that I was telling you about, uh, who you are, what data you're collecting, why you process that data, what the legal basis for holding the data is, and how and when and if you ever transfer that data to other parties especially across international boundaries uh, or outside the EU, um, how long you hold the data and, um, and the rights of the, of the subjects uh, with respect to the data, to access it, to make changes and corrections to it, and to remove it. And also they have this right to be forgotten. And that's a big one because it means you're not allowed to keep their information for any purpose. Once they say, I wanna exercise my right to be forgotten, you delete them from the list. You know, normally someone unsubscribes from your list. They're still there in your system, um, just with a tag or something that says, don't send them stuff. <laughs> and you want to, you know, there are good reasons that you want to keep that. But nowadays the GDPR, excuse me, the European subjects can ask to be completely removed. Okay. All right. What else, what else are the, the big things that coaches need to do to be prepared? Well, so um, identify what you have, um, identify how you use it, notify them, get their consent, and uh, well, update your privacy policies on websites. If you gather data from your subjects on paper, you know, if you hand them a form to fill out or something like that, it also should have a privacy notice printed on it that explains what you're doing with this data, all the same information. And, um, and then, yeah, refresh that consent. Then, so that's the collection phase, how we collect the data. Once we get into the storage and, and the retention and processing phase, we have obligations of data integrity and security. And um, 
if there is a breach, you have to notify the subjects within 72 hours of the breach. Um, you have to uh, notify the authorities in the EU as well. Um, what else is there? Let me, I'm looking at some so crib sheets what would, here. What would be an example of a breach, of a storage breach? Is that what we're talking about? <laughs> well, let, let's say, here's an example. So I use uh, a service called ConvertKit for my emailing service provider, right? They're the ones that send out my email newsletter. If somehow my account were hacked at ConvertKit or their system was hacked and somebody got everybody's email address, then, um, uh, you know, and, and was using it, was potentially going to use it for some improper purpose. Or I don't know, I don't know, maybe a Cambridge Analytica kind of a thing with Facebook. The data was used inappropriately. Facebook would have an obligation to send a notice to its users saying, this is what's happened, this is what we're doing about it, and this is how you can protect yourself. Same okay. thing if So when it comes to sort of a coach being in, in their preparedness for GDPR deadline on 25th of May, it, what exactly do they need to do in this sort of storage phase? Like the, the I found the collection phase was, was really... Um, relatively clear, but in the mm -hmm. storage phase, I'm a little bit confused. Like, how, is there anything you need to okay. do or you just need to be prepared <laughs> if you get hacked? <laughs> well, step one is make sure that the services that you're using are complying with GDPR and will notify you if, if their data has been breached and therefore yours is at, is at risk so okay. that you can comply with your obligations. Um, I think it's important to back up the data so if you've got a big emailing list, you want to download that and encrypt it and store it somewhere safe so that, God forbid, the data isn't just hacked but also destroyed, you have a way of going and reaching out to those people and saying, here's what happened. Otherwise, their, their emails are gone. How do you do it, right? Mm -hmm. so, um, so I think that's pretty important. And... Um, and yeah, just sort of, you know, being vigilant about this. Also train your staff. If you have employees that are accessing the data, it's important that they be trained and understand the ramifications of things and what their responsibilities are. Many, many data breaches are the result of an employee grabbing the Rolodex, the digital version of a Rolodex. And, uh, and so, you know, some, some supervision of the employees in that regard is also worthwhile. Mm. Making sure that if you're firing somebody, you lock them out before you tell them they're fired, basically. Yeah. Well, we've had a recent thing too where we've had to review all of our um, employee contracts and just yep. make sure that, you know, they've signed and date and agree to all this sort of stuff. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. That also brings up another point, actually. Employees, if you have people who work for you in the EU, you have data about them in that regard too. And you have the same obligations with respect to keeping that data and, and so on. Now, you have a legitimate interest in, in holding that data, even though they may not want you to keep their information. You've got reasons that you have to. So there, there is some give and take in some of this. Mm, yeah, yeah. Some of these contracts that I'm having to put together, just like, oh, gosh, <laughs> I seem like so, such a dogmatic person. <laughs> okay, so is there anything else important, you know, for the basic small coaching business that they need to, to, to concern themselves around with preparedness in storage capacity before we move on to the... Well, storage and processing. So the other component of this is that you only process the data for the purposes for which you have authority to do so. So... When you're gathering that data, you have to ask them specifically, may we send you marketing material? May we send you our newsletter? 
you know, those kinds of things. And the, the protocol seems to be there needs to be a checkbox that they click. And if they don't, then you don't send them the newsletter. You don't send them the marketing material. So you're not exceeding the scope of the authority given. And that needs to be pretty granular um, and very, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Informed consent. It needs to be very specific and, and clear um, and uncoerced consent. So. Yeah, yeah. We've been going through that same thing. Do you want to be on our newsletter? Do you want to be on our podcast? Do you want to get a affiliate promotions? Do you want to get promotions from us? Right. <laughs> like, oh gosh. And then you have to kind of be forward thinking and think which ones might I add in the future? Interesting. <laughs> um, can you just, I just want to backtrack a tiny bit. This whole thing of processing data. Can yeah. you just, could you put some like a definition or something around that for coaches who don't quite understand what that means? Like, well, uh, processing data is basically anytime you do anything with it beyond just looking up a phone number, you know. So if you are sending an email list, uh, if you're sorting the list, that's technically considered processing. If you decide that you're going to, um, now of course, there, you can be getting into some deep analytical stuff about, about the data too. If you've got important information that you can, you know, identify certain segments of your list that ha or of, of any data that you have, um, I pretty much any, any transaction with the data that, that happens is considered processing. I think the, the, the term is really just the, to distinguish from the, the owner of the data versus the, uh, the company that's doing the thing with it. But every time you ask them to do something with it, you're processing. Does that make sense? Okay. So kind of anytime you, you use the, the data you're, you're storing, uh, mm -hmm. it's, that's kind of processing. And even storing is technically a processing of oh, data. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> but, but, but it's a distinction we don't need to worry too much about. The, the point is we got to keep the data secure and we have to only use it for the process, for the purposes we've been given consent for. Yeah. I love uh, that. That's, that's really, that's really um, poignant. Could you just say that again? Because I think everybody who's listening needs to stop what they're doing. And unless you're, of course, you're driving a car in your middle of traffic, but, and write this down. So I think is it'll help us all stay very centered. <laughs> now, hopefully you can remember. What right. you're <laughs> okay. Well, I'll say it another way, but it's basically when you obtain consent for the use of a, of a bit of data that you gather from somebody, when you get that data from them, you ask them, for permission to use it for a certain purpose. That's the only purpose you may use it for. You may not take um, data from, here's, a, here's an example. You sell a product to a customer, and then a week later you wanna send them a follow-up note about the product. That's allowed because it's related to the product. But if then a week after that you wanna send them an opportunity to buy an upgrade or something else, now you're sending them a marketing message that they didn't consent to you sending. And that's a violation. So you need this granular consent. Only use the data you have for purposes authorized by the, by the owner of the data, the, the person about, about whom the data is. Got it. And I think, I think that's really key. So I've just written, get the data and get consent for how you're going to use it yes. at the same and don't time. Don't exceed the scope of that consent. And yeah, okay. And yeah, honor your word. Don't exceed. Yeah. Really? Yeah, be a good person. <laughs> yeah, don't exceed. Okay, consent. Uh, okay. Is there, so we've talked about collection, we've talked about storage and processing. Is there anything else we need to cover, you know, in, for coaches just considering, okay, how do I need to be prepared for this GDPR? 
you know, there, there are lots of sort of special case scenarios that come up and, and coaches, I guess, in some sense are, if it's, um, if you have data about them that is uh, sensitive, so more than just their name and their contact information and you know, sort of generally about who they are, but if you have financial information, health-related information, anything that people have a sort of higher expectation of privacy about, um, it's really smart that the data also be kept encrypted so that it can't just be accessed by anybody who happens upon a computer file or something like that. Yeah. Really, the, the security of the data becomes more higher priority uh, in that. Right. I think that's a really important thing, actually, um, because data sensitivity, just understanding what that means. I mean, if you are a coach, you know, you could be having quite personal conversations with people yeah. about their past and their emotional well-being and so on. So, um, Well, if you're taking notes or recording those conversations, then then you're collecting data. And by the way, data can include things like a photograph or a video recording. Okay. So, uh, yeah, if you're, if you're gathering anything more sensitive, <laughs> you know. Yeah. So, okay, so all that, that's interesting because that was one of my questions actually is what qualifies as sensitive? Is it, is it you know, just financial or health? But no, what I'm hearing from you is it's actually bigger than that. It's, it's any, anything that they might be embarrassed by or um, nervous about being found in the public or like, where do you delineate, where do you draw the line? <laughs> well, I wouldn't go saying anything that they might be embarrassed about because people can be embarrassed about things that are really not sensitive. <laughs> That's true. But, oh my gosh. My birthday know, is on this day. I'm, yeah, I'm so embarrassed. <laughs> um, but you know, things that, that just, there's an expect, a reasonable expectation that will, they will be protected more. I mean, in, in here in the U S we have a number of laws that restrict education information and, um, well, stuff about minors is always considered sensitive. That's something else we'll talk about. Um, but, you know, health-related, financial-related, credit stuff, um, um, yeah, you know, very personal kinds of stuff. Yeah. And, it, you know, let's face it, if you're a coach and you're, and you're recording conversations, then you're, you're probably going to get into that sort of highly personal level stuff. Mm -hmm. That is, uh, yeah. That, uh, you know, if religion, your religious beliefs, your political beliefs, these are other kinds of um, sensitive data, mm -hmm. uh, racial, ethnic kinds of things as well. So okay. if you're gathering that stuff and, and retaining it in some, you know, discreet way, then uh, it ought to be kept more secure, as securely as possible, I should say. Mm -hmm. um, okay. Let's talk All about right. the kids for a second, because okay. I mentioned you know, if you, you need parental consent when you gather data from anybody under 16. Here in the U.S., we have some laws that set the bar a little lower, 13, um, but let's just go with 16. If you're getting information from somebody 16 years or younger, you need their parents' consent. Okay. And again, um, uh, yeah, if you're collecting any personal data about children under 16, you need to have that informed consent from the parent. So that'll apply to any of our listeners who are coaches who are working with minors, uh, counselors, uh, and so on that, working with, stu with um, yes, yeah. kids. But and we, will, we do have those. Yeah, if your business is tutoring or something like that, it applies. And it's also that education data stuff. So um, you need the parent consent. And, um, and also, this is across the board, when you get consent, you need to make sure that there are records of how and when consent is obtained. So, um, you know, 
if it's just a checkbox, there's no saying whether the kid checked the box on behalf of the parent or what. So you need to implement some additional protocols to make sure you're getting real parent consent. Great, great. I have a feeling that's, that this, this interview is going to open up a lot of additional questions <laughs> for people who are listening. It's like, oh. Never ask a lawyer for a concise answer on yeah. exactly what to do because it'll be, well, it depends. <laughs> it depends. Yeah, that's so true. Okay. What else in far, as far as preparedness? I mean, well, just, certain, I just want to make know, sure we're hitting the, the low-hanging fruit, the big things that yeah. people can at least start their process in this podcast, because obviously we can't cover everything in this, right. in this episode. Well, look, I, I think updating your privacy policies is the, is the big one that needs to happen right away. And also, if you have you know, online forms that you, where you collect the data, the forms need to be brought up to speed. And that is that you have to tell on the form itself, you have to say, here's what we're gathering, why, and, and how you, know, you can link to the privacy policy right on the form and have that tick box that I mentioned for the, the additional marketing material or the, or the uh, uh, newsletter or whatever it is. Um, but beyond that, I think we've, we've pretty well covered it. You know, you want to have an, an analyze the, the existing data, educate your people, implement the safeguards and systems that we've sort of talked about, um, adopt a retention policy. Oh, this is the other one, retention policy. You have to have a system to make sure you don't keep the data longer than you really reasonably need it. So that may be a few years after the relationship with a client ends because if you've got, I don't know, risk of a malpractice exposure or just need to be able to you know, prove something happened, <laughs> you know, whatever, or didn't happen, you want to be able to have that data. But once it's sort of reasonable to assume that there's no need for this data anymore, you have to dispose of it. And, um, and you also have to have a policy in place for how the data subject can get the data, access the data, modify the data, or remove the data. And it has to be basically as easy as it was to provide the data in the first place. It can't be well, I gave you an email on a, on a web form to join, but if I want to unsubscribe, I've got to go have a notarized letter sent to the, to the, uh, uh, to the company's, you know, Belgium office or something like that. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. okay. So, uh, and then uh, beyond the retention policy, uh, yeah, updating the privacy policies and notices and opt-in forms. So. Okay. So we, I actually put the, you know, I, I was, very excited about our interview and I put posted on my online coach entrepreneurs Facebook group, you know, that we were going to have this discussion and a couple of people did post some questions. I was hoping we could uh, I, go over to that and, and maybe you could address a couple of those. Mm -hmm. So let, let me just look over there and get some questions from people. Okay. So here is a question from Jenny. And she's curious about the, so she's really curious about um, the opt-ins, you know, when people opt in for a lead magnet or a freebie uh, and the disclaimers, how to, how to phrase your disclaimers. And then she says, but most importantly, if you think that a checkbox is necessary or by having a clear disclaimer and stating that by filling out the email address, they're giving consent. Is that enough? Hope this makes sense. So, this is that, that question about the, the scope of the authority given in the consent. You know, if I provide my email address, I'm doing so because I want to get something. But I may not want to get everything you want to send me. So you need to be, as I said, a little more granular about the, the nature of the consent. The, 
the the form itself should specify what it is they're opting into and the the protocol really is a tick box you know it should be and that is not checked in automatically so when they go i just did this today on my sites i put the tick boxes on if you if you want to send me a question through a form on my website or whatever um, you fill this thing and you have an option. Yes, please send me your newsletter, which contains these other things. And that's the way I would articulate it is have the tech, tech box with the yes, please send me blank. And that's what you're allowed to send. If it's a newsletter, if it's marketing material, if it's whatever, you know, great offers and deals, um, those kinds of things. And they check the box and then they click the submit button and you're good to go. Can you put all of those things under the one tick? Like, can you say, I want to get your marketing stuff, your podcast, and da, 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 da. or should you itemize each one out and put them on different lists based on I, what they select? The, the guidance that, that we're seeing from the, you know, the ICO, which is the authority in England that's sort of advising folks about this, and the general principle seems to be, no, you don't want to have the laundry list of, hey, yes, you can send me A, B, C, D, all this stuff. But if you put a form together that has five tick boxes on it, people aren't going to tick any of them, right? Or they'll tick all of them. <laughs> you know? So it's a, it's a, there's a fine line here. I'd say if you're really targeting EU people as your customers, you want to be more discreet and, and granular about this stuff. Um, as a practical matter, I think most of us can do, you know, like mine. What I did was I said, um, what is it, newsletter and... Well, I said my newsletter contains my offers. I'm not going to go sending them separate, um, you know, advertisements and pitches. It's really just the newsletter. So that's the that's how I'm approaching it. Um, I think if you have multiple categories of stuff, first of all, if you're selling somebody a product, you have the authority to send them information about the product, how to use it, recalls, warranties, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, and so the further scope of the newsletter or the advertising marketing materials is, is where you need the tick box. Okay. So if somebody does come in and buy like a coaching program or an ebook or something from you and they buy it, do they, yeah. they automatically, it's not like they have to opt in to get that, um, that updated right. information about that product because by buying it, they're, they're pre-opted in. Is that? Well, they're opting in to receive the product. The product. Yeah. And, and, stuff that relates to the, you know, so they can better use the product as long as it doesn't involve selling them something more. I think that's really, you know, you have a legitimate interest in telling the client, the customer how best to use that information or, or the product or how best to uh, access it or how to protect themselves because you found a flaw, you know, whatever that might be. Mm -hmm. um, but when you want to then tell them about your other product, that's the thing that requires that additional consent. Got it. Great. Okay. Um, I think that was pretty clear for Jenny. Uh, so Mo said, that's a great question. <laughs> um, then we've got a couple of people who said, I'm blind to this. Tell me more. Um, here's one. I'd also like to know how to deal with it if I have two businesses. Can I share information and contacts from one to another? If I have their permission, can I cross promote? Boy, this is a little tricky. My yeah. thinking is probably not. Um, I mean, I guess if you have a hairstyling business and a nail salon business next door to, you know, figuratively speaking, next door to each other, you might be okay sharing the list. Uh, it wouldn't be unreasonable to think, you know. But again, if they're not under the same um, digital roof, 
<laughs> for back of a letter, lack of a better term, uh, I would be hesitant to cross promote across the two. Li- yeah, again, unless and well, you could use something in the consent like you know, may our, may we share your information with our affiliates or we own another business. You could do a tick box like that. We own this other business and would like to send you information about that too. Click here, okay. you know. Okay, so it's really just about ma- just really getting very clear consent. And I think and being an honorable yeah. in, in person with integrity. <laughs> if you follow those rules, you'll actually be okay. And that the EU is telling us that we actually have to get approval first before we start spamming people. Right. <laughs> Not that, you know, any of us actually do spam people, of course. Okay. Um, moving right along. Here's one of your clients there. Uh, I'm clueless. Uh, and then we've got this one. Are there any requirements associated with GDPR that must be carried out by humans behind the scenes beyond the payment process. I think you've actually already answered that. Is there anything you want to add? Well, I mean, I do think, you you know, look, humans have to make the, make the determinations about what we're going to do with the data. And so, yes, humans are involved in this. It isn't a completely automated thing. Um, One other thing I'm fine that isn't really uh, strictly speaking GDPR, but you know, if your website uses cookies, um, which many do just to sort of track what the users are doing and keep them getting a a more tailored uh, experience, you also need to make sure that they consent to that at the time that the, con- the cookies are being dropped. So um, there are some really cool online term uh, tools that make that pretty easy. Um, and can you recommend any? Uh, actually, I discovered this one because of you, and it is called <laughs> uh, cookieconsent.com. Yeah, yeah. Jimmy's been very good at putting those things in place. Yeah, (laughs) it's really easy. And I I just implemented it uh, right before we started our call tonight, actually. Um, (laughs) It took me all of three minutes to accomplish it. So uh, it was great. Okay, so but the cookie the cookie acceptance isn't actually a part of GDPR, or that's well, just it is, that but it's a little missing. bit different. It, yeah, because it, what it is is that the cookie is actually data that's being deposited on the user's computer, so it's going the other direction. But it's yeah, it's still covered under GDPR, but it's just something that you might not have thought about because you're not collecting the data. Um, of course, unless your website is sophisticated and actually tracks who's using those cookies for what elsewhere on the web, which yeah. many sites do. So yeah, you want to be yeah. disclosing what you're using cookies for. Okay. Um, and this one, I think we've covered, this is from Kimberly. Um, she's wondering if, um, if okay, so she's got two questions. She, she's wondering if there's a place where she can get a sample privacy policy statement. And then also, how, what do we need to tell them that I use Google Analytics? So on the Google Analytics question, absolutely yes, because Google Analytics does, uh, they are a processor of data. So you, you're collecting the data and they're doing stuff with it to help you figure out how to reach these people better or, or where else, what other other interests are, right? So that's definitely something you need to tell them specifically what you use Google Analytics, that you use Google Analytics and what it's for. And would that um, be in your privacy statement? Is that where you tell yeah, them? Yeah, in the privacy statement, it would say, we use certain analytical tools like Google Analytics to help us provide a better experience for, you know, you can, you can finesse it a little bit and spin it, um, but then you do need to tell them specifically what's gathered and, and how it's used and how long it's kept. And Google will provide you with that information. Okay. Uh, on the, I think on their, right, on their analytics setup pages now, they, they've got a link to that information. 
And I mean, along those same lines, if you're using, you know, uh, an email marketing system like MailChimp or ActiveCampaign or AWeber, do you need to tell them that too in your privacy policy? Yes. So the privacy policy needs to uh, disclose anytime you're transferring data between, well, from you to others, from your company or your business to others, including all the various processors. I don't recall if you need to disclose the specifics about which companies you do that with merely the fact that you use these services to provide certain uh, components of your, of your package of services and uh, therefore you're transferring the data and that by consenting and continuing to use the site, they're agreeing to that. Okay, cool. So you don't actually have to list all of your providers because then. Right. Okay. Yeah. The policies okay. I've seen are, are much more um, well general in that regard. Yeah. Okay, cool. Oh, that's ni a nice distinction. Thank you. Okay. And then Kimberly's <laughs> second question was, where do I get a sample privacy policy? Is there, is there a place where you can go give me a privacy policy? Um, well, I'm in the business of selling the service of making <laughs> privacy policies. So, um, well, I mean, I'm not trying to make a sale here, but just saying, you know, so it's a little awkward for me to recommend where you can find a sample privacy policy. <laughs> well, that's, I won't but, put you on the spot there then. <laughs> she can Google it. <laughs> well, they are out there. And, and I would say Google GDPR compliant privacy policy. My caution on that would be that every business is different and the kind of data you collect is different. So you're going to be doing a lot of customizing anyway. And it makes sense to sort of, if you don't know what the questions are to ask, you know, have someone who does do your yeah. privacy policy. Well, if this is something you do, would you, uh, um, we didn't actually talk about this beforehand, but would you be willing to sort of share like kind of what the ballpark range is for doing a privacy policy for a smaller coaching business? You know, it ranges from about 500 US dollars up depending on the complexity of, of things. Um, okay. Well, that's good. That gives me, that at least gives yeah. people who are listening, you know, if they really want a helping hand who knows this stuff, kind of what they're looking at investment wise. So that's right. And, and that, and you know, that is custom tailored bespoke work by a lawyer. There are some services on the web that provide a privacy policy for 50 or 60 or $70 and, and a much more automated kind of a thing, which may be fine for many businesses. So no, I wouldn't. Right. I appreciate your absolute transparency with all this. Thank you so much. <laughs> and I think I know our listeners will too. Um, okay. So that covers the, the main questions from the group. I guess out of that, Gordon, is there any, any other thing you want to throw in or add to before we wrap up? Um, well, again, I just want to reiterate, don't panic, you know, um, give this the attention it deserves, but no more. <laughs> and, uh, you know, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> just keep in mind that that, that three week window now is, is closing. So, uh, you know, sit down today, tomorrow and, and have a look at your privacy policy and, and, uh, uh, and, you know, find some good examples as, as your, uh, your, uh, follower has, uh, asked for and, and do the best you can, you know, Proving that you've tried and, and you know, if you miss the mark a little bit is better than not having tried at all and just thumbing your nose at things. My biggest concern would be about the, the way you gather that uh, information, the, the forms that you use to collect data, because um, that'll be the red flag for people and they'll see that and say, oh, I'm, I'm going to report not, you. <laughs> no, or they're, they're not doing it right, you know, exactly. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, and I think too, I mean, what this, this whole... Um, uh, legal alarm bell, you know, it's kind of been an alarm bell in my business. We've all been, you know, rallying around. Um, but what it's really brought to my attention is that there is a shift happening kind of in a global yeah. 
space around data and privacy and protecting people's people's right to privacy and and the use of their data. So just going forward as a coach, you know, it's, it's a good idea just to, to be very mindful of what you're storing, how you're storing it and how you're using it and making sure that you have buy-in in advance. And if you can just integrate that philosophy as you go forward, you know, on your coaching journey, then yeah. you're going to be in pretty good hands. Are you going to, you know, you're going to be pretty well off. You know, I did think of the one thing that I didn't really cover earlier on. We were talking about the collection of the data. Okay. And that is one of the most common ways that people use um, email collection. Well, they, the way they go about collecting it is to use a lead magnet or the, the quote bribe, mm-hmm. the uh, free report or the free audio or the free course or something like that as a way of getting people onto their mailing list. The GDPR rules have changed that a little bit because you are supposed to be able to access that free report or whatever without having to consent to getting more marketing material or more stuff. So that sort of takes the wind out of sales of that particular approach to marketing for some people. Mm. Um, so that's that's the whole idea of having to have the tick box. So you. If, you, if I'm giving you my email address so you can send me the free report, I don't necessarily have to consent to you sending me anything else ever again. Mm-hmm. And sort of defeats the purpose in a lot of ways of that, um, of having the lead magnet offering it in the first place. So there are some, you know, ways to finesse it. One is, you know, sign up for my email list and I will also send you this bonus material. And now the tick box become, can I send you the bonus material? <laughs> Uh, ah, yeah. It was going to really, it's going to change the landscape a bit of have online marketing. <laughs> no, and I will say that that is my interpretation of, of things. And it may not be a hundred percent in alignment with the way the, the EU policymakers wanted it to work. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, you use it at your own risk, but, um, you, you do have to still be granular. And you, you, I would say, if you're asking people to sign up for an email list, make it clear that that's what they're signing up for a newsletter or whatever it is, marketing materials. And the, the bonus can be the, uh, you know, yeah, the, 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 the lure, but you can't deny the bonus to somebody if they don't give you the consent. That's really yeah. what it comes to. Well, you know what? And I mean, that just kind of, it, I like it. I mean, I like the idea that people can opt out. They can say, I really want your freebie, but really, Benet, I don't want to have anything else to do with you or your company. And really, I don't want them taking up the space if they really don't want anything to do with my company anyway. I'm a yeah. big believer in this thousand true fans thing. And if you have a thousand, you have a viable business. So I think it's fine. And the answer to that is if you make good enough content that they really like and you build that trust with them at that level, and, you know, there's no, no saying that you can't put an advertisement in the last page of your report saying, hey, for more of this kind of great information, come over here and sign up. Mm-hmm. Now you've, you know, you can get that consent later, but yeah. you don't have to, you know, date before you get married. <laughs> so. I think it could be cool. It could be cool. It could make everybody just sort of raise their level a bit more and really think uh, more about the, the value and the quality that they're putting out there, which we'll see. It'll be interesting to see what this, this, what impact this has on the, on the online um, marketing and, and world, basically. I'm, I'm, I'm going to watch with interest. <laughs> okay. So um, I suppose you kind of already said it. Um, I'd like to recap it. And then if you want to rephrase, but I love to end on, um, you know, uh, like if you had one 
parting piece of advice. And you kind of said it earlier um, that you said, don't panic and give, but, but, and, and do give the GDPR the attention it deserves. Yeah. Would you like to rephrase that or, or add anything to it? No, I, I, I think you nailed it. Well, you, I just repeating your words, so <laughs> you nailed it. Okay, excellent. Gordon, thank you so much for your time today. And I know that, you know, probably the, some of the listeners here are like, oh my gosh, I have more questions and I want to know more. If people do want to know more and, and, and get in touch with you, what, what's the best way to do that? Well, uh, I have my own GDPR uh, resource. It's a free 30 minute or so lesson uh, that where I talk about this stuff in a little more detail than we've gotten into here. And um, you can get access to that and any other information about me at gordonfiremark.com. And it is a free resource, that one. Uh, it's actually part of a larger course that I'm in the midst of creating called the Digital Entrepreneur's Legal and Business Toolkit. Awesome. I love that. And um, <laughs> where I'm, I'm really teaching a lot of information about, you know, making contracts and making and how to use intellectual property properly, protect your own, you know, all that kind of stuff. And uh, it, it, everything in the kitchen sink is in that one. It's a big, a big project. But uh, I decided to create the GDPR one quickly because it was urgent. <laughs> so exactly. here we are. So when, um, they, when people go to gordonfiremark.com, is it really obvious how to get to that GDPR freebie? It's right on the very top of the page. It's, the, awesome. it's currently in the hero position on the web, website. So. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, <laughs> and, um, and just generally, if you want to reach out to me in my legal practice, that is at firemark.com. Pretty easy to find. Excellent. And I'll put all of those uh, links into the show notes so that you guys can grab them with ease. All right. Well, Gordon, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate you sharing um, your knowledge with me and my, my listeners of Online Coach Entrepreneurs. Well, thank you. It's been a real pleasure, Brene. And thank you listeners again for listening to another episode of Coach Pep Talk. Be sure and go and like the show on iTunes. That sends us good karma and extra traffic, which we love. Uh, have a great day, everyone, and happy coaching.